created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You ready to go? I, I thought I was waiting for you. No. Were you waiting for me? No, we're, we're ready now. We're good to go. Here we go. Welcome to Interman Radio, where we accomplish more than we thought we could through Christ's power working in us, regardless of what your pastor said last week. So drop those excuses and pick up your Bibles and prepare to win. You know, <clears throat> what a great way to start a show. You know? <laughs> anyway, so as we're reading through the scriptures, Mark, there are a lot of things that are principles that are put in there that we just kind of gloss over. We hear it a million times, oh, you know, and, and so when we go to a particular passage, you read it, and there might be some things in there that are life-changing, but unless we pause and back up just a little bit, we don't really capture the life-changiness the of, life-changiness. That, of that well, passage. It can sound like Christian ease. Yes. Lots of times when, uh, when the scriptures... We'll use terms maybe in a, in, a, in a broad way when Paul says, you know, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Well, well yeah, that's just he's That's like, just hey, saying, how you doing? Hope you're doing good. Right. Those things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But there is some stuff there, and, yeah. and we want to we want to dig into that, particularly in 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5. And this honestly really is a life-changing passage because in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he condenses the message of Christianity really down to just to a verse. Yes, he does. And and so if you were to take the power of all of the message of Christianity and compact it into one verse, this would be it. That's huge already. I... Yeah. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Already we're in deep water. Because while that is, a, that is a, a distilling of the gospel message that God is light, that's a lot to wrap the mind around. Yes. I'm, I'm having a Bill and Ted moment. Oh, dude. <laughs> the more you step back and look at it, the bigger it gets. It does. You start pulling on a, th- on a thread here, and you start pulling in all these other threads start coming too. There are so many things that that verse... Is connected to it. There are so many things that, quite frankly, that means to us as Christians and how we view God, how we view our position in the world, and, and how we conduct our life. It does. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why, frankly, we've struggled so much to create this episode. Yes. Is trying to figure out what would be beneficial to put in, what would be distracting, how do we do justice to this verse, but not 
beat it to a dead horse. Right. And and at one point we just considered just saying wow and <laughs> profound a lot, you know, but <laughs> anyway. And moving on. Right? Yeah. So, but on on that note, that's true because because of the fact that this verse has such weight and such importance to us and yet trying to trying to convey that to the audience. So, we'll give it a shot. Let's see how we do. Yeah. It's been condensed down so much that then when we start to unpackage it, it goes everywhere. Yeah. It's it's it has applications in everything that we are. It is the message. And consider this. God could use all kinds of things to describe himself. And in this particular passage, he chooses to use the word light. And that has certain ramifications for us. Because when we think in terms of light and dark Mm -hmm. all the time, not even biblically necessarily, but in our natural human imagery, you know, we, we think of... Good versus evil. Yes. I mean, you, you talk about uh, maybe Lord of the Rings series. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you see the map of Middle-earth, and you see this dark <laughs> shadow yes. going over Middle-earth. Yes. Darkness taking over yep. the world, right? Or Darth Vader, you know, <sighs> come to the dark side. In history, there's a period of history that we call the Dark Ages. Yep, yep. We look to, uh, we look to things like uh, uh, lighthouses. Lighthouses. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Because... Yeah. Um, you know, ships in the darkness, and that serves as a metaphor for all kinds of things human, to have light as the source of direction, as to illuminate us. We can't get away with that. It, from that, it's everywhere. In fact, even in the term, oh, he's enlightened. Let me enlighten sure, yeah. you. Let yep. me shed some light on the subject. Right. You use the word illuminated. So, yep. so humanity understands uh, intrinsically that light and darkness represent two completely different realms. Yeah. But how does God define what light is? And why is that important? Sure, we have we have lots of different applications of how we might see it, whether it's mythologically or in pop culture or, or whatever. But when God wants to define what he means by that statement that God is light, uh, the scripture uses Hebrews chapter 1 to give us a little bit of a better look as to what he's describing. Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 3, he says in talking about Jesus, he is the radiance of his, that's the Father's glory, and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God had spoken long ago, through the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. But mm-hmm. Jesus is the radiance of his glory. And he says the exact representation of his nature. That's saying that God's nature is glory. So Hebrews 1, 3 is a restatement of John, 1 John 1, verse 5, that that is the message, that God is light. His nature is glory. And Jesus is is the exact representation or the, as uh, John chapter 1 verse 18 would say, he is the explanation of the Father. Mark, you just used glory and light interchangeably. Yes, I did. How, how, how did you do that? I mean, how can you do that? So glory is, uh, is the Greek word doxa. It means, it means honor. It means renown, majesty, splendor. It's, it's all of the, uh, it's all of the, what, what we would think of as as majesty that's coming from something which is awesome and and I know it's hard to use words that that, that aren't over the top but right. but that's what it is it's an over the top concept so 
Like in the Old Testament, God's glory would show up and it would fill the tabernacle or later fill the temple, right? And it was that shining, radiant glory when it did so, and so much so that the priests had to back away. Right. And only Moses could, could approach God in that state. But that's, the, that's a physical demonstration or, or illustration of what glory is. It's that shining radiance that comes from the nature of God. Okay. So it would be something similar uh, to Moses. When he saw God, uh, he witnessed his glory, and so Moses' face shone. We're told that that glory was fading after a while, and, and so he hid that. But So you're saying that when a person comes up against God's glory, it automatically, they're coming up against light, and it causes them to shine. Is that kind of all the bundle here that we're... That, that is another aspect. It's, okay. another, it's another facet of the issue. In Exodus, you know, we have the account of God's at the top of Sinai. Moses is called up to meet God and speak with him. And so Moses makes this request in uh, Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18. Moses said, I pray thee, show me your glory. He wants to see. Lord, I want to see you. Show me your glory. And so God responds. He said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name or the, the position, the authority of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and compassionate on, or I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, I can't show you everything, Moses, because you would die. And so Moses says, well, okay, well, that'd be fine with me. The Lord offers him this. He says, tell you what, he says, you stand over here by this rock and I will stand next to you and then I will pass in front of you. And then I will cover you with my hand and I will move my hand away as I am, as I'm leaving and you will see the trailing edge of my glory. And Moses says, you're on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I want to see that. So that's exactly what they do. In verse five, the Lord descends in the cloud and stood there with him as he, and that's Moses, called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. So notice that what's being communicated to Moses here is character. See, God is passing before Moses, but what's being proclaimed to him is the Lord is compassionate, Mm -hmm. he is gracious, Mm -hmm. he's slow to anger, he abounds in loving kindness and truth, he keeps loving kindness for thousands, he forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren, third and fourth generations. And so Moses, when confronted by the glory of God, makes haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. Because his character was revealed to him. It was. Moses got to see a visual representation of God's character while his character was explained to him. This is who I am, Moses. You want to see me? This is who I am. I am compassionate. I am gracious. I am patient. I am kind. And so on and so forth. So in light of that... Ah, I see what you did there. I didn't mean to do that. With that said, then, how does that help us in this conversation of light when God says, He is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all? Well... Everything that we read in this Exodus 34 passage is preparatory for use in the New Testament. So we have to know this story in order to understand what Paul wants to tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, 
God's going to use what took place on Mount Sinai to help us get a handle on something that we cannot see, but which is much bigger by comparison. In verse 7, he says, If the ministry of death, and that's the law, in letters engraved on stones came with glory, and that's what we just read, so the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how shall the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? After Moses has his encounter with God, he comes down the mountain, and much to the surprise of the Hebrews, Moses' face is shining like the sun in its midday strength. And so Moses was visually transformed from glory to glory. Moses began to shine in just the way that he had seen God shining. So in verse 9, he says, If the ministry of condemnation has glory, that's Moses, yep. much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory, Moses, in this case, has no glory on account of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, Moses, much more that which remained, Jesus, is in glory. Having therefore such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech, and are not as Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, that the sons of Israel might not look intently at the end of what was fading away. Moses comes down the mountain, his glory begins to fade. Right, because he's not he's not in the presence or looking at the character of God in person any longer. Right, okay. whereas Jesus is the full radiance of God's nature. He's the radiance, the shining of that glory. And so <clears throat> Jesus remains, or that, that glory remains. It doesn't fade as it did with Moses. Wait, so so if Jesus is the radiance of his glory, and we're told that he is, right? And if if that glory is much greater than that which Moses shone, then what does that say about our condition as we're looking at Christ and his character? It's a definite upgrade over what Moses had. So in uh, in verse 17, it says, The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. It's just like Moses, right? right? Moses looked and was transformed. He says, we behold the glory of God through the mirror, and we are transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Moses' transformation was miraculous, to say the least. Moses comes down, and his head looks like a light bulb, and everybody's backing away because, Moses, we don't know what happened to you up there, but it can't be good, right? <laughs> but <clears throat> Moses has been transformed on the outside. When we look at the character of God seen through the face of Jesus Christ, when we see that, a similar transformation takes place, but not one that is external, one that is internal, not one that is fading, but one that is constant, not one that is, by comparison, not even glorious. He says, you know, on account of the glory that surpasses it, what had glory in this case has none. It's like you think your room is well lit with that candle you've got in the middle of it. Until yeah. somebody walks in with an LED light. Yes. Right? So, And so. Jesus is the LED. Right. He's the very bright light. But yeah. yeah. That's it. Okay. Jesus is the sun compared to the light in the, compared to the candle. Moses 
didn't hold a candle to Jesus. I'm sorry, that oh, that one wow. got away from me there. <laughs> <laughs> so in in backing up, yeah. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. As Christians, we are witnessing that light. We are looking at that light through yes. Christ, the character of God represented through Christ. What does that mean for us? It means that we are transformed into that same light. That The process of how that begins for us actually begins just a little bit further down from where we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says in verse 4, it says, In whose case, and that is those who are perishing, the God of this world has blinded the minds, which tells you how we see. We don't see the light of God through our eyeballs. <clears throat> we see it through right, the mind. Right. He's, the God of this world, that's the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, in the face of Christ. So for us, we get, to, we get to see the character of God through the lens of Jesus Christ. Right. And that began for us in a way that he alludes to here when he says, Light shall shine out of darkness in verse 6. That began when we started recognizing in our mind his character as we were reading it or as we were hearing about it. Yes. So it's not necessarily... You hear about people talking about... You know, I saw a bright light, and I was, you know, going down <laughs> right. the tunnel. At the end of the tunnel yeah, was yeah. this light, and this is this is not, or this isn't, you know, some uh, going to a miracle healer service, right. and they've got a bright light shining down. This is not a physical, not a vision. No, this is, right. This this is illumination of the mind. Yes, based on the knowledge of Christ, looking yep. at His face, as it were. Yes, face to face in the mirror of the Word. Yep, you got it. So Paul would pray, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. enlightened. So, right. so, and that's to, to give that understanding to the heart. <clears throat> Scripture here talks about, you know, makes a reference to light shall shine out of darkness. That's a reference to the creation account. Right. I mean, you think about it. Go ahead. Yeah, it is. And, and there's the two, there's those two elements again, right? Light and dark. So God begins and everything is, everything is dark. Everything is pitch black. There is no light. And the first thing that God does in creating the natural world is he speaks light into existence as the, as the universal constant against which everything else will be measured. It is the foundation for all of the created universe. And we're not talking about the sun as in the ball of gas that's a thermonuclear reactor. Right. We're talking about the universal constant, light. Yes, itself our entire our entire natural world is built on light and the sun doesn't show up until day four right but yet everything is measured against that light mm -hmm. how dark is it what time is it how, how yeah, right. what color is this what, yep. it's all based on a measure of that light or how that light is reflected refracted yeah. even how down. far is this thing from this other thing and how long will it take to get there those are measured according to that constant as well. But for us, that has special significance because God spoke light into existence, but James calls 
God the Father of lights. Well, that makes us lights also. And when we compare the account of creation to our own new creation, there's a striking similarity. So God begins with something that is formless and void and darkness is moving over the surface of the waters in Genesis chapter 1, right? Mm -hmm. And then he speaks, let there be light. The Spirit of God is moving over the surface of the waters and God does something which is miraculous. He speaks that light into existence. And there was evening and morning one day. God doesn't do that arbitrarily. God didn't say, well, I don't know. I guess I'll just create the world any old way. Wouldn't it be cool if there was like some <laughs> right. light in there? And Yeah, no. 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 No, but look at how that gives us. It's just a tremendous illustration of what God has done in us personally when we were darkness. You formerly were darkness, Colossians says, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. <clears throat> when we were formerly darkness, right, we were void, so to speak. And what did God do in us? He spoke into existence that light. So he called us forth by the word of truth. So God speaks light into existence in us so that all of a sudden we have our own personal morning. And he says it is good. I mean, wow. I mean, whoa, dude. You know, and we've talked through this a number of times, and every time we go through this, I'm just I'm struck with the the awesomeness of that. the 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 intent from the very yeah. beginning of creation is really it is the foreshadow of the real creation that's yeah. about to come in us as we become Christians, as the spirits hovering over the waters as we go as we uh -huh. are immersed, and and the light shines in us. It shines forth. And he says it's good. It is good. It is. And there is evening and morning. The first day. Yeah. One, one light, one man, one woman, one, <clears throat> one child of light. It's just, it just it blows the mind, doesn't it? To think that God created the natural world in such a way as it would be useful to communicate to us what he's done in the new creation. That he worked with Moses at the top of Mount Sinai so that we would have this clever little illustration, so that we would better, uh, better grasp the kind of transforming quality that God's character has when we view it through Jesus Christ, so that, so that we would be a greater glory, so that we would shine far greater than Moses. We would shine like Jesus, so that you know the, the scripture that's spoken of him in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is beginning his ministry and, and he's, uh, he's, he's moving to Capernaum in Matthew chapter 4 and verse, uh, uh, verse 15. Uh, it says, uh, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. He's quoting Isaiah 9 here. It says, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And to those who are sitting in the land in the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The light had arrived, right? And which is, you know, that's very similar to how John chapter 1 describes it. Yes. You know, and here came the light. Uh, that's my version that's of it. That's a paraphrase. Right? That's <laughs> yeah, a, yeah right. right. But, but there it is. You know, the light was in the world, and the world did not comprehend it. You know, 
here he is, and he moves to the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, and upon them a light dawned. That should be able to be written of us also, because we are now, if we were to go a little further there in the Second Corinthians 4 passage, we are the depositories of that light, that that treasure now resides in your and my earthen vessel. So, just like when Jesus walked the earth, he was the radiance of God's glory, so also we should be the radiance of God's glory. So when you go to work tomorrow, upon them... A light dawned. Exactly. So if when when a Christian moves to a different city, it could, it could, <laughs> it could really literally yes. be written, you know, upon that city, a light dawned. Yeah. When Joe Listener to Interman Radio moves to a different neighborhood, upon yeah. that neighborhood, a light dawns. A light dawned. Upon that workplace... A light dawns. That's it. Yeah. That puts our mindset in a different place. Very much. The radiance of God's glory. We should be the shining. We should be the, maybe prism is a good word, that radiates all of the facets of the character and the nature of God. That he's slow to anger. He abounds in loving kindness. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's merciful. Right. In just the same way that we saw in Jesus radiate those same things. Not like Moses, who's who started hiding his face because the glory was fading. Yeah. And we don't want to be that way. We want to continue reflecting his glory because we're continually witnessing his glory and not having anything to be ashamed of or to hide, hide behind. Yeah, great, great comment. Because we continually behold, we continually radiate. Right. Because it's not, it, it's not passing away, but rather in our case, it is increasing. So I have to apologize to the listeners because I'm sure that there's some things, you know, some, some great scriptures. Frankly, we couldn't fit them all in. Mm. But you kind of get a glimpse of what John is trying to communicate to us when he says, this is the message, you know, which, which we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. That's what John said, We've what was from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, beheld with our hands, handled, concerning the word of life. It was manifested, we've seen, we bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and manifested to us. That's also going to be the foundation for our fellowship with one another. But it all is boiled down into that one statement. God is light. And, and in him, him, there's no darkness at all. And we'll see you next time on Interman Radio. Radio.